We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Andrew Mertig. It's Friday again. We're excited to be back. What's going on, Andrew? Yeah, it really is great to be back. The Packers are 2-0. and The offense has scored a ton of points, and we are headed into what should be a really fantastic matchup with the New Orleans Saints. So there's a lot to be excited about this week. And it is always fun when you get to start the season 2-0 and against some division rivals. And we get to start the show today with more good news. Thursday afternoon, we received news that Kenny Clark was indeed practicing for the first time since his week one groin injury. I think many were assuming that he was going to miss his second consecutive week. And we're not out of the woods here with, with Clark. I think there's a lot of hope. But it certainly looks like there is that chance that he may be trying to play this weekend against the Saints. Yeah, and obviously having Kenny Clark available would be a really big deal, uh, pun fully intended on the big deal part. So (laughs) it it is nice to lead with a little optimism about a health situation in Green Bay for once. uh, Let's maybe just not talk about Devontae Adams at all. 
Yeah, yeah, that's the flip side of this. I think we were all hoping Devontae was going to be out there. It sounds like this could be uh, potentially a Devontae-less and a Michael Thomas-less game. So we'll see how those offensive injuries impact this game come Sunday. Uh, But we're here today to help you get ready for Sunday night's showdown with New Orleans. And I think a lot of people are having a hard time knowing how to feel about this Saints team. Andrew and I consider the Saints one of the most talented rosters in the NFL when we did our schedule preview this summer. But with last week's showing against the Raiders and not being sure if the aforementioned Michael Thomas is playing, it's hard to get a pulse on what this Saints team is and which Saints team is going to show up this week. But the Packers have to be prepared for the New Orleans Saints best. And we want Packer fans to be fully prepared for this matchup as well. So we're going to spend the majority of today's show talking about the key matchups to pay attention to in this one. And then we'll wrap up the show with some of our picks for who might be an X factor for the Packers on Sunday. Yeah, so we'll we'll get kicked off with the offense. And, and one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting, this, the Saints have given up 57 points in two games. And their defense has really struggled at times, especially looking at last week's game against the Raiders. And for a team that I had called the most talented roster in the NFL, to see their defense struggle to this level is really surprising. If they want to get back on track, they're going to need to lean on their pass rush. Cam Jordan has been pretty mediocre so far this season um, and is one of the best pass rushers in the league um, over the last several years. That was not something that I would have expected. Trey Hendrickson seems like just a guy on the other edge. Marcus Davenport, who follows me on Twitter, by the way, can't seem to ever get healthy. Uh, Sheldon Rankins hasn't made the impact they thought he would. And Marcus Hunt is really just a replacement level player. So, you know, you take a look down the roster, especially in that defensive line. David Onimata, I got that nice. right. Uh, And Malcolm Brown have really been the lone bright spots up front. And I I don't think either one is really going to scare the interior of the Packers offensive line. So I'm guessing the Saints are going to try to find ways to match up Cam Jordan against Rick Wagner. But number one, Rick Wagner was fantastic last week. He actually had a 100% pass blocking win rate. Number two, the Packers have been great at utilizing tight ends and running backs to help out their offensive line. And number three, the running game and jet motion have really neutralized opponents' pass rushes to date. So it's it's almost as if moving away from Mike McCarthy's, you know, just put your tackles on an island all game long philosophy has helped this team's pass blocking out. It's almost as if. And, oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers has been incredible at getting the ball out on time and on target. And I, I, I just really can't say enough about how huge that has been for this team and specifically for the offensive line. So... I would I would look for for that matchup of um, the New Orleans pass rush against the Packers offensive line to be really a, a key matchup for when the Packers have the ball. All right, so just some little notes here about things that you mentioned there. Marcus Davenport is obviously a player that they want to get a little bit more out of than they have been able to lately, and a lot of that is tied to injury issues with Marcus Davenport. He was a limited participant in this Thursday's practice hoping that they get a little bit out of him this Sunday. But you also mentioned Malcolm Brown as being one of the lone bright spots on this team. Malcolm Brown actually did not practice on Thursday. So I am unaware of what that is um, at this time. It looks like it's tied to a foot injury. I wish I could speak on that a little bit more, but something to watch as we move into the game this weekend. If Malcolm Brown was not able to go, that would obviously be a big deal for this team. 
And this is our co-host because when I never, like, I never pay attention to the opposing team's injury report, and Kyle is Johnny on the spot with the information, keeping me in check. <laughs> I'm just frantically like searching Twitter for information while you're talking, which is also dangerous because I don't always hear exactly what you say. So, thank you for. I did me. <laughs> say a lot of bad things about you. Okay, good, good. Just keeping right with your brand there. I appreciate that. Okay, so let's move on to um, my takes here uh, on offense. I promise I was not planning on talking about the Packers wide receivers again this week. I'm pretty sure they were my low-hanging fruit last week against the Lions beat-up secondary. Uh, But I'm back again for another round of wide receivers because I stumbled upon some really interesting pro football focus info. And so I wanted to use that a little bit today on the show. Um, Andrew, the Saints cornerbacks are the best group that the Packers have faced to date this season. On Sunday night, they'll match up with Marshawn Lattimore, Janoris Jenkins, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who I believe is essentially the Saints' nickelback. Andrew, when you hear those three names, Lattimore, Jenkins, and Gardner-Johnson, which one of those guys scares you the most? I'm sorry. I wasn't listening to what you were saying. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, Obviously, it's Marshawn Lattimore. Okay, so that is the answer I was assuming you were going to give me. I'm not just going to throw this in your face here. That's what I think most fans would say. He's he's a top-tier cornerback in the league for a lot of fans. That's how he's perceived. But he's actually the worst amongst these players. He has the worst coverage grade among these three cornerbacks through the first two weeks. Janoris Jenkins has played really well, but Marshawn Lattimore's pro football focus is 76th graded corner and has an absolutely horrific grade when it comes to coverage. So all that to say, we're not 100% sure that the Packers are going to have Devontae Adams in this game. And so I'm going to be watching Alan Lazard and MVS in this one to see who steps up against this group of corners that's supposed to be very good. And I'm going to be watching whoever ends up matched up with Lattimore to see if that's something the Packers will be willing to test, maybe a little bit more than you normally would have expected to test Marshawn Lattimore. And I'm so angry with you right now because on my notes, I had actually written down the PFF grade for Ladmore and I was going to drop it on you <laughs> like a knowledge bomb. Nice. And you went ahead and talked about it anyways. But I did write down specifically, Marshawn Ladmore's overall PFF grade is 51.6. And you mentioned that's like 76, right? So that's like a most teams nickel corner. Right, like that would be like a middle of the road nickel corner and a coverage grade of forty eight point nine, which is just brutal. Um, So I don't know what's going on there. I haven't watched a lot of Saints football so far, but that is is really interesting and uh, certainly troubling for for a guy who is considered one of the best corners in the NFL and who is going to be entering free agency this upcoming offseason. So now we're going to talk about defense, and what I picked as the key matchup was. The Packers' interior defensive line and linebackers against Elvin Kamara. So instead of picking half the defense, I scaled it down to like four elevenths of the defense for this week. <laughs> um, but really, it's it's that matchup with Kamara that that is going to keep me and probably Mike Petten up at night. Tyler Lancaster has been pretty solid through two games. Kingsley Kiki has been surprisingly good against the run. If they can keep the linebackers clean, it will give plenty of opportunities for Christian Kirksey and Chris Barnes to make some plays. But the real question to me 
you know, certainly Kenny Clark being healthy is is going to fix a lot of, of those problems as well. But, you know, the real question is, do they have somebody who can cover Kamara and then and or whatever gadgety player they want to throw out there, Ty Montgomery, Taysom Hill, et cetera, coming out of the backfield with Michael Thomas likely out. The Packers will will try to make Breeze beat them by dropping back and throwing. So I think it is a key to the whole game to be able to slow down the Saints rushing attack and that quick passing game. And those two things to me are one and the same. You can combine them. But Kamara poses the most serious threat to the Packers defense. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned the Kenny Clark thing. Obviously, that's going to be a big factor in this. Uh, The Packers did pretty well kind of piecing it together last week against the Lions. Obviously, I think there's a lot more, um, a little bit more fear to come with this Saints offense and what they can be than what you had there in Detroit, especially a beat up Detroit um, offense there. Um, But for me on defense, I'm going to be watching the Packers pass rush against the Saints offensive line and specifically their offensive tackles. Uh, These first couple games, it's been really, really fun to watch Rashawn Gary playing so well. He's had an incredible start to the season is, I would say, fully living up to his draft stock in his second year, uh, consistently impacting the game through his play. But he's still the team's third edge rushers. Zedarius and Preston each played just shy of 100 snaps on defense. Gary has played 65 snaps, uh, which almost makes his impact that much more impressive that he's doing that on a reduced snap compared to the other two. But this trio of edge rushers has to be one of the scariest in the league. And having all three of them really does give the Packers the ability to keep these guys fresh, which is such a luxury when it comes to edge rushers. But this week, they face Teron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek, the Saints starting tackles, who are really, really good at football. These are both top 20 tackles in the league. And so as effective as this Packers pass rush has been this far, thus far this year, this is clearly the toughest set of tackles that Green Bay has faced. Uh, One more interesting thing to watch here, Jerron Armstead has been dealing with a groin injury. He's been limited in practice this week. So if he's able to play, uh, it will be worth noting to see if that injury does limit him at all in this game. Uh, But something weird that I'm going to be watching for in this one, and I know I'm going off on a little bit of a rabbit trail here, but Preston Smith has a real knack for tipping passes and batting down balls. We've seen it him do it several times in Green Bay. He's done it his entire career. And Drew Brees is a shorter quarterback. Obviously, Brees' height has not limited his career in the slightest, but it does make him a little bit more susceptible to batted passes. And so one more Preston Smith stat that I found really, really remarkable. Preston has 17 passes defensed since 2015. That's a pretty dang impressive number for an edge rusher. But if you're not impressed, I have one more stat for you, and this is awesome to me. Andrew, how many career interceptions do you think that Preston Smith has? I wasn't paying attention to what you were talking. Yeah, I'm okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to go with two. Two. Obviously, that's a low number because you're setting me up here. But whatever. I'm setting you up. It's not fair. He has five. He has five career interceptions as an edge rusher. That is the exact same amount as safety Adrian Amos. Both were drafted in 2015. Both have picked off 
five passes. Now, we know Amos is not a ball hawk per se, but it speaks to Preston's ability to make plays on the ball. And I'll be paying attention to this whole edge rushing group to see if they're able to find some success against the Saints stud tackles. And maybe, just maybe, we'll see Preston add to his passes defense total against Drew Brees this week. And maybe even just get his hands on uh, one of those and make a big play and add to that total. But uh, I know that's a big prediction. Andrew, you want to jump in here and talk about some X-Factor picks for this week? Uh, who's going to be that overlooked difference maker for the Packers? Yeah, I struggled with this one a little bit this week. But um, finally, I decided on MVS. And historically, I have been pretty critical of Marquez. But he's shown a great deal of improvement in the first two games of the season. And with the very real possibility Devontae will not be able to go, the Packers need someone to step up and have a big game in the passing game. And yeah, it could be a monumental challenge if MBS has to go up against Marshawn Lattimore, but we've talked about Lattimore's struggles so far, and I do think he has the ability to beat even good corners one-on-one. And and like I mentioned earlier, Lattimore, with that slow start, that, that could be you know in the back of his head. I think the Packers' uh, running game and, and getting the ball out quickly gives Marquez a really big advantage because he can use both his size and speed against um, really any of the, of the Saints' defensive backs. So I, I would look for Marquez to have a few big plays in this one. All right. I like your pick there with MVS. I, also, I almost went with Lazard because I think Rodgers, if Adams is not going to go is going to be looking for someone he can trust as a consistent uh, outlet in this game. So that will be interesting all around to see who the wide receiver is that steps up that Rodgers leans on, if that's the case. But um, for me, going with another pass catcher here. But in week two, we saw Darren Waller, the incredible footballer, making plays from the tight end position for the Las Vegas Raiders against this New Orleans Saints team. And the Packers do not have a Darren Waller on their roster. We know this, but we saw big Bob Tanya make a nice grab, uh, touchdown grab in week two. And so I think we could see some good contributions from Tanya again this week. But my bold take here is that week three is where we see Jace Sternberger make his impact. I think the Packers will be slow to bring back DeGuara from injury. Um, I think they'll give him his time. He's been limited in practice this week, and then I don't believe he practiced at all on Thursday. So I don't know that we'll see a ton of him this weekend. And with Adams potentially out, as we've discussed, I think that opens the door for some different looks, maybe that aren't on tape, to help create some offense. And I think that Sternberger uh, could be the one to benefit this week here. So I'm going to say that Jay Sternberger finally gets that monkey off his back, shakes the nerves, and the drops along with it and makes a big com- uh, couple catches this week that really impact this game. Yeah, and, and total transparency, I, I saw that you were going to talk about Jay Sternberger, and I was kind of mad because <laughs> that was going to be my X-Factor pick. And, and there's really two reasons why. Number one, I think we've seen a, a totally different style out of Aaron Rodgers. You can call it more forgiving. You can call it being a better teammate. You can be the the body language police, whatever you want. But it does seem like he genuinely wants his teammates to succeed, and he's not getting frustrated when they make mistakes or, or have you know mental lapses like was the case with Jason in, in those drops last week. I, I like that, and I think Rodgers is going to give him more opportunities. And, you know, 
I go back and forth on this, right? Like, one of the things that was frustrating, Devontae Adams' second season, he kept dropping passes, and, and all the fans were really upset, but he was getting open to drop those passes. And that's something that I've noticed about Jace, too, is he's getting open. And that's a skill that is much more difficult to, to do than uh, especially focus drops because we don't think Jace has bad hands. And and I really just think it's it's concentration. He's finally getting his opportunity. He had mm-hmm. kind of a tough rookie season. And I think he was just, you know, thinking too much. And so I do think that he has a really great opportunity to bounce back the the what was going to be my second point, and now it's my third because I keep rambling, <laughs> is that Jace went on Twitter Sunday right after the game and said, this is on me. I got to be better. I promise I'll be better next week. And I, I, I think that level of accountability immediately, just to have that gut reaction, you know, that doesn't seem contrived or fake to me, right? Like that doesn't yeah. seem like something that like a PR rep would tell him to do. It just seemed like a, a reaction. Like, I know I let my teammates down, but hey, we won. Let's move forward. And I, I think that's the kind of kind of attitude you have to have. I, I, I wish I wish there were more offensive players that had that cornerback mindset of just like forget the last play, move uh-huh. forward. Yeah. And 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 I like to see that attitude oftentimes. Like learn from your mistakes, sure. Right. That's what film during the week is. But like get your mind right immediately and then don't let this snowball into a bigger problem. So I, I'm with you. I, I, I think, you know, if, if I could be, you know, on board with your X factor, this is the week to do it. Yeah. It's fun because I think there's a lot of things with Jason. We won't, you know, keep going here, but I mean, a preseason would have been huge for him. I mean, this is still in some ways an extension of his rookie season with as little as he was able to get on the field last year. And so preseason would have been huge to shake some of those jitters and just become accustomed to what he's doing on the field. Uh, but also he brings an element to this offense. It's not like you can run Tanya out there. It's not like you can run uh, DeGuara out there. He brings something else that those guys, even though those guys are special in their own right, I think the Packers know if we can get Jace right, he's going to bring something to this offense, uh, potentially to the middle of the field even, that maybe those other guys don't. And so I think they'll keep bringing him out, and I hope, and I, I really do think, as we've said here, we're predicting that this could be the week that it happens. So fun stuff. We'll see what Jace is able to bring on Sunday night. Um, you want to have a little bit of fun at the end of the episode here? Just uh, No. Okay, good. All right, you want to wrap it up then? No. <laughs> okay. All I right. wasn't listening to what you were saying, so I just thought I was Jeez. supposed to say no. Okay, all right. Well, everybody, um, we were going to have fun, but Andrew's out, so have a great, great uh, no, Friday. No, and... <laughs> ask a question. Ask your question. All right, my question is so is intrigued by whatever this fun play. topic is going to be. I want to know this, and I, I saw this on Twitter today, and it just got me thinking I'd give credit to the right person, but I uh, – Honestly, don't remember. So forgive me if you're listening. Um, favorite play of 2020 thus far? We've had two great games, lots of high moments. Uh, I'm just curious, what what was your uh, your favorite play of the season so far? Well, you gave me almost exactly 20 minutes to think about this because I had no heads up before the show. But here's <laughs> what I'm thinking. My temptation is to pick something really obvious, right? Shannon Sullivan pick six. Yep. Uh, but I'm not going to do that. 
the 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 Jair uh, safety like phenomenal plays in their own rights and and those were really fun those were moments where like I got very excited and I'm, I'm sure most Packer fans are with me. I think the Deguara block is the coolest Ooh, moment. Yeah, that's fun of this season. But but for me, um, through two weeks, the the play that really stuck out to me the most was the touchdown to Big Bob Tanyan right before the end of the half last mm. week. And and the reason why I, I think, you know, you and I were talking about that play. And one, for Robert Tanyan to know to stop short, to, to read that pretty quickly um, and make that move. And, and you saw him kind of taunt the defensive back like, oh, you thought I was going to the corner at the end of that. <laughs> and that was fun. But just the the trust and the connection that Aaron Rodgers had with him to, to trust him to throw that short because – if Tanya keeps running in the corner, that's a problem. Yeah, oh yeah. That's 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 an interception right before yeah. half. And so um that that play was just amazing. Just two guys being exactly on the same page. And and that to me is indicative of the start that the Packers have gotten to the season. Yeah, that's a really good one. I like that one a lot. And you you said it perfectly, like that illustrates greatly the improvement chemistry that Rodgers has in this offense and trusting to make throws before he sees it. And I think that that's going to be big all season long as we watch him grow into this LaFleur offense. But I'm going to answer my own question. And I had a couple. I really did like the Jair uh, interception week one just because, you know, I think coming into the year we're hoping for a big jump from Jair. And that was a great way to kind of kick that off for him. But a smaller moment that I loved was just simply the Chris Barnes tackle uh, that he made on that on that play where you just knew if he, if that tackle is not made, it goes a long way. I mean, it's at least a 20-yard gain, I think, if, if he gets past that tackle. And we've seen a lot of linebackers miss very similar tackles, and you, you kind of almost expected it. And so when that wrap-up was made, and number he, – he's 51, right? Is that right? Correct. 51 pops up. And, you know, I I know this roster pretty well, but I'm like, 51, 51. Like, who's 51? I'm like, Chris Barnes. You know, it's not Fackrell anymore, right? We've moved on. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is, uh, you know, you kind of thought it was going to be Kirksey. To see a player that you're not expecting to make an impact, make that impact early uh, in the season was pretty special. It's just, it's kind of a stupid moment of all the big highlight offensive plays that we've had. But for me, that was really exciting to be like, man, uh, this this team is playing well, even from places that you don't expect. So lots of fun moments thus far this year. Those kind of plays stick out um, when you really think about the game in depth, but they, they don't often kind of rise to the top of impact plays. But that was going to be a big catch and run for Delvin Cook if, if yeah. he gets past Barnes in that situation. Yeah. And that's a drive that stalled right there. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're absolutely right. That was a massive play. Um, made on a player who more is going to make more linebackers miss in the NFL than he's Absolutely. not. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we, we know Delvin cook just got an extension. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about to, to finalize the show is something that I tweeted about on Thursday afternoon, evening that I expected to ruffle a lot of feathers and really didn't. Uh, and so that's interesting. And, and what I said was essentially, I don't think regardless of what the outcome of this year is, even if Aaron Jones goes on to win NFC Offensive Player of the Year, I don't think the Packers should sign him to an extension. 
And I think most people were surprisingly in agreement with that. And so that's very interesting. And I know you and I have have looked at this a little bit differently. I, I wouldn't say we've butted heads, but you know, where where are you on this? With with Aaron Jones off to an absolutely torrid start. Um, where are you on the extension train knowing that, you know, the Saints who have absolutely no money locked up Elvin Kamara, <laughs> the Vikings who aren't in exactly a great salary cap situation, locked up Cook. The Bengals gave all sorts of money Joe Mixon, but they have they have cap room. Um, so, you know, where are you on a running back extension, specifically Aaron Jones? Yeah, I mean, like, I you're right. Like, previously I've always felt like Aaron Jones – was worthy of an extension. Um, We talked a little bit pre-show that my assumption was before all these extensions started getting dropped around the NFL, that the Packers could get him for seven, eight, maybe like nine max, kind of like per year as a running back. Um, And someone who's played like a prominent role, but has been a committee back. There's been some other guys like Jamal Williams asked to do a lot. He wasn't the only like, Bell cow, I guess, is not maybe the right way. He's not uh, used like an Ezekiel Elliott has been in those kinds of ways. Um, but, I, I mean, we talked like Joe Mixon. Like, the guy got 12, $12 million. Like, it's yeah. hard to imagine that Aaron Jones' agent comes away accepting any less than $12 million and feels like he did a good job knowing that Aaron Jones is just absolutely ripping the roof off the NFL season. Like he's been fantastic. So I don't, I don't know like what else you can say other than like this guy deserves his money. And then you look at the Packers situation and I, I just don't see where they can stick money to a running back when you've got to pay one of the best offensive tackles in the league. And you've got cornerbacks and centers that deserve money as well. So I hate it. And I think the, the other piece of it is, Maybe the Packers view him as an offensive weapon. Maybe he's kind of wide receiver, too, in their mind, you know, to Devontae, and that's how they think about their offense. I don't think they can justify it that way, but they may do that. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I want you to flesh out for me, you know, your thoughts on this. But I've moved your way as those dollar amounts have gone up. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I will be the first to admit Aaron Jones is a phenomenal player. And I think he's he really like epitomizes what the Packers want out of a person on their team and in their organization as well. Like he he by every account I have ever heard is a phenomenal human being and he deserves to get paid by somebody. But I just think when you look historically at this, if you talk to Cardinals fans about David Johnson and I think it was 2016 when he had that massive year. They would have said, this guy's irreplaceable. He's our wide receiver, too. Yeah, there you, you know, go. He's an offensive weapon. Um, Todd Gurley, when you know the Rams went to the Super Bowl, he's irreplaceable. He's like our wide receiver, too. Um, and I think I think you know, Le'Veon Bell is another example. Granted, the Steelers didn't pay him, but you know he ends up on the Jets yeah. because he's his offensive weapon and nothing can go wrong. Guys like that don't wear down because they don't take as many hits, whatever. Whatever the case is. I just think... You don't want to draft guys to be the exception to the rule, and you don't want to pay guys to be the exception to the rule. And I think when you see these trends, you know, we, we, I, I know this is a weird example, but you talked about Irv Smith Jr., the, the now Vikings tight end, coming into the draft. No tight end in the history of the NFL 
has has you know been what we would consider successful at tight end with the, the dimensions that he has and the athletic measurables. No running back in the modern era has gotten a big extension and had been really successful during that time. I don't even know that you can say that about Ezekiel Elliott. I, I think he's slowed down quite a bit since he got his extension. Christian McCaffrey's hurt right now. You know, not to say that he's not going to come back and blow the league, you know, blow the lid off the league when, when he comes back and be his normal MVP conversation self. But we just don't have a history of that. And I think... This 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 is a, a tough pill to swallow. I just think there's so many good running backs in the league that you have to view guys like Aaron Jones as replaceable, even though he doesn't feel like he is right now. Yeah. And you draft a running back in the second round. My hope is that maybe Jamal Williams could be back on a reasonable contract, though we will see. Tariq Cohen just got $6 million a year, and that's a scary <laughs> thing because... I think Jamal Williams is significantly better than Tariq Cohen. But the the fact of the matter is, I, I, I think, you know, you only have so much money. You have finite resources. You have to pay Bakhtiari. He is irreplaceable. You potentially have to look at, you know, a decision. Are we able to pay one more guy? And if so, is that Kevin King? Is it Aaron Jones? Yeah. Or are we pooling that money for some other you know, for the, the Devontae Adams extension that, that's going to need to happen yeah. in a year. And I don't know. Um, and, you know, you and I could debate Kevin King versus Aaron Jones all day. Of course, you could throw Corey Lindsley in that conversation, too, although I don't think the Packers are going to resign him. But um, it's 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 really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's the problem when you have too many good players. Yeah. Right? Like, yep. like at, at least at least they're not $100 million over the cap like the Saints. Yep, yep. And I think, I mean, a lot of this is going to come down to players that the Packers move on from and space that they create. But I think there's math here, and there's only so many dollars that can go, and that's going to leave a couple guys out. And, I mean, we won't spend a ton of time on Kevin King like you mentioned, but I guess it comes down to me as someone who would love to see Aaron Jones back. Is it easier to replace a running back? who could potentially be your running back three, depending on how the rest of your running back room goes, or replace a starting corner in the NFL who's proven to be a reliable starter. And I think the answer to that is replace the running back. So I don't know that they can afford to bring Kevin King back, but I think it's going to be a lot harder to go to the draft and get someone that you feel confident starting opposite Jair Alexander than it is uh, to get someone to play alongside a Dylan and maybe a Jamal Williams. So it's tough. I mean, as a fan, you want to keep all these guys, but let's hope 2020 is the year that the Packers had all the talent went all the way and then they started re you know revamping that roster to uh you know that's what happens when you win a super bowl right guys guys leave get paid and that's that's what happens but um that'd be a good problem to have (laughs) my my dream is aaron jones has such a phenomenal season that they couldn't even envision affording him because he just tears the the league apart and you know has two thousand all-purpose yards and uh over 20 touchdowns and wins MVP and the Packers win the Super Bowl and they just can't bring him back. But if they resign him, I'm going to be super happy. And (laughs) I love Aaron Jones. and I love watching him. It's just a personal philosophy of me. You know, I I, I like to pretend I'm a GM. And of course, I don't have any credentials. But (laughs) I think you have to detach emotion from the players 
and you, you have to look at it as a business decision. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have gotten burned by paying running backs. And so, mm-hmm. you know, my personal philosophy is you don't do that even when you have somebody who is, is in a, as yep. exceptional a player and a person as Aaron Jones is. Yeah. So yep. we'll leave it at that. We'll continue this conversation. I'm sure there'll be some news leaking out about extensions at some point during the season. But uh, that is all the time that we have for today. This has been Pack a Day Podcast. You can catch Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can tell me how bad my Aaron Jones takes are at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packet Podcast. Please subscribe or rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We're going to be back next week talking key matchups and X-Factors as we prep for the week four game against the Atlanta Falcons. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.